<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. is the Tom Hartman Program. <laughs> and welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. And we've got a lot to talk about today. I've got a couple of stories that I just want to pop up in front of you and discuss. This is kind of all over the news, but I, I just wanted to fill you in if you're not familiar with it. Kevin McCarthy got busted for the big lie. A new book uh, won't be out until, you know, a week or two from now, but they on Rachel Maddow's uh, show on MSNBC, they released the tapes. And uh, this is Kevin McCarthy talking to Liz Cheney and other Republicans right after January 6th, in which McCarthy says he's going to go to Trump and ask him to resign. He's going to play the role that Barry Goldwater played with Richard Nixon. And then, of course, instead, he goes down to Mar-a-Lago and, you know, asks Trump to bend over so he can kiss his ass, which is been doing all along. And now it's being reported that after that blockbuster that Kevin McCarthy called Donald Trump down at Mar-a-Lago and Trump said, don't worry, Kevin, you're on my side now. As long as you keep sucking up to me, it's all good. You know, you said what you said in the heat of the moment, but hey, you're on my side now, so let's just keep going. Or words to that effect. Which, by the way, Kevin McCarthy's not the first. I mean, there's a whole long list of Republicans who, after January 6th, came out and said Trump has, you know, stepped over the line. And now they're like, oh, we love Trump. Yes, we love Trump. Please vote us in. So, you know, that's what's going on. And also, Marjorie Taylor Greene is in court right now. They're arguing that she should not be able to run for re-election because she participated in and encouraged an insurrection against the United States. This is not just about Marjorie Taylor Greene. If this court rules against her, there's 146 other Republicans that they might want to look at in Congress. And also, the Republican Party's newfound concern for the children doesn't, for some reason, include saving kids from the number one thing that is killing them in the United States. Honest to God, we are the only country in the world that has this problem. I'll tell you all about that in just a moment. And also some very good news. California briefly ran on 97% renewable energy. Hope! We'll tell you about that, too, in this hour. Also, Dr. Marty Goldstein is going to be our one guest for the day. And he's going to tell us about the spirit of animal healing. This guy does amazing stuff 
with animals, particularly dogs, but I gotta tell you about that. Also, well, Democrats, what have you done for us lately? I've got a list, <laughs> and I think you're gonna love it. And also, why the hell isn't Jared Kushner's $2 billion payoff from the Saudis a bigger deal? Remember Billy Gate? When Billy Carter uh, took a couple hundred thousand bucks from Muammar Gaddafi for consulting on, on how Libya should approach the United States? I've got to tell you about that, too. Probably most of you are not old enough to remember it, and, or if you are, you don't remember it, because it just kind of passed after a few weeks. But, you know, the Republicans tried to keep it alive as a scandal for quite a while, but, you know, we're unsuccessful. But anyhow, for a reason that I will disclose to you at great length, but I want to start out with today's rant, or Daily Take, as we've now renamed it. It's published over at HartmanReport.com, ad-free, no cost. And the headline is, the GOP's newfound concern for the children doesn't save kids from their number one killer, guns. Seriously. This uh, was just reported in Forbes magazine, which is how I first discovered this. It was actually, they were reporting on a story that was published in the New England Journal of Medicine. And this is what Nina Shapiro over at Forbes magazine wrote, kind of summarizing the New England Journal of Medicine study. Quote, access to firearms by children, by unlicensed owners, and absence of safety measures when it comes to both intentional and unintentional gun-related injuries and deaths are among the reasons that the incidence of this horrific, truly avoidable tragedy is on the rise. So, you know, we've got this incredible con job going on from the Republicans right now. We're all worried about the children. We want to make sure that you know, if there's a child in a bathroom, a trans person doesn't come in and scare them. Or we're all worried that white children will feel badly if they learn that hundreds of years ago, white people enslaved black people and treated them badly. Or they're continuing to treat them badly for that matter. They also say that, uh, you know, it's really important to lock up women who have uh, and threaten them with prison for life uh, if they have a miscarriage that Republicans suspect might have been a self-induced abortion. We just saw this last week in Texas. This woman was charged with, with murder and was facing life in prison for having a miscarriage. And finally, she was able to prove, hey, it was a miscarriage. But get ready. There's a lot more of that coming. Oh, we're protecting the children. Right. And they're happily jumping on this 2022 GOP version of the old, you know, Russian czars, uh, protocols of the elders of Zion blood libel, claiming that their political opponents are grooming children. And they're enthusiastically embracing this QAnon slogan, save the children. Until you mention children being killed by guns. Or until you, you mention Republicans grooming their own children to become mass shooters. Yes, this is actually a thing. You know, 20 years ago, the leading cause of death among children in the United States was car accidents. You go back 100 years, you know, there were a bunch of childhood diseases that were pretty deadly. Those got pretty much wiped out in the 1950s and 60s by vaccinations. And since the 60s, the number one killer of children has been accidents, and the main accident that has killed children has been car accidents. Until now. Seriously. The, and by, by the way, by, by children, I'm, I'm identifying people from one year old 
to 24 years old, so it's children and young people. Throughout, you know, most of this century, you had, you know, fewer than seven gun deaths per 100,000 young people in America. This year, it was 11 out of 100,000. It's the highest it's ever been. Uh, car, car accidents, only eight per 100,000. And most of those child gun deaths were entirely preventable if we simply had safe guns. And I say safe guns and people say, what? What are you talking about? Well, let me share a couple things with you here. There's a company called Safe Gun Technology. They developed a fingerprint reader that's built right into the grip of the gun, the handgun and rifle, and it prevents the weapon from being fired by anyone except someone whose fingerprint it recognizes. They can even retrofit this onto existing weapons, number one. Number two, another company, Intelligun, has a similar fingerprint reading product and is working with the U.S. Army's uh, Armament Research Development Engineering Center to come up with a stock that instead of recognizing fingerprints, which, you know, if you're in like a time of war, your fingerprint can get covered with grease and dirt, that instead measures how you grab the gun, which is actually a unique biometric thing. There's also RFID, radio frequency ID recognition. These are guns that will not fire unless a person is wearing a ring or a watch that has a chip in it that the gun recognizes. Now, these are all for sale in Europe. They're all for sale all over the world, these kinds of safe guns. You can't buy them in the United States. Forbes magazine did a story about this. They interviewed a guy named Doug who started and ran a website. It was called smartguns.com. It's now out of business. And he was selling the uh, RFID with the watch guns here in the United States. But he refused to give his last name to Forbes, or he, he refused to give them permission to publish his last name. Excuse me, Fortune magazine. I said Forbes, I meant Fortune. As Fortune wrote, quote, and that's why Doug has to be so hush-hush. If his last name were made public, people would try to put him out of business and threaten to kill him. That's what happened to the last two gun dealers who tried to sell this gun in the United States. The gun industry in the United States has pretty much absolute immunity against lawsuits for, the, for the, uh, creating a product that kills people when a safe product could be created. This is why the Sandy Hook parents had to sue Remington for their advertising, which they did, by the way, successfully for $73 million, because they couldn't sue them for their guns. I mean, we dealt with this with cars back in the early 20th century when cars started killing people. You've heard this rant a million times on this program. Registration, licensure, and liability insurance. And San Jose now, the, the city of San Jose, has adopted liability insurance for guns, you know, which is just absolutely great. But that's it in the whole country. As the New England Journal of Medicine noted on Tuesday of this week, quote, although substantial federal funding has been devoted to research on motor vehicle crashes, the firearm industry and gun rights organizations led by the NRA have been effective at keeping federal dollars from financing firearm-related re research. Even, last, even this year, Republicans continue to put the Dickey Amendment in every single major omnibus piece of legislation. The Dickey Amendment forbids federal money being spent researching gun shootings. Meanwhile, there's this pandemic of, of right-wing politicians like Thomas Massey from Kentucky tweeting out pictures of their own kids holding assault weapons. They're grooming their children to be mass murderers. 
And by example, they're grooming other children who are seeing these pictures to become school shooters. We are literally the only country in the world that has more guns per people. The average in the world is that for every 100 civilians, there are 9.8 guns. That's the average of the world. The next highest country to us is Yemen. They have 52 guns for every 100 people. Here in the United States, for every 100 Americans, there are 120 guns. Even Afghanistan and Iraq average 20 guns per 100 people. I mean, we've got a serious problem here. And now the NRA, still flush with all that money that Russia gave them, has succeeded in lobbying 25 states. Three more states just in the last month or so have said any idiot, no background check, no training, no nothing, any idiot can carry a concealed weapon in our state. Don't you feel safer already? The Republican Party is all about the children. We've got to save the children from critical race theory. We've got to save the children from trans people. But save the children from the actual thing that is killing more children than any other thing in the United States. And we are the only country in the world with this problem. Saving the children from guns? No, crickets. If anything, as I said, Republican politicians are grooming the children to be mass shooters. And guess what? We're getting mass school shootings again in the United States. Surprise, surprise. We have to shame Republicans enough that they stop taking money from and embracing this death-dealing industry. I get it. You know, they're bought off by pharma, and, and so they want to keep drug prices high for Medicare. They're bought off by the fossil fuel industry, so they deny climate change. These are, this is blood in our streets, the leading cause of death among children. And Republicans not only refuse to do anything about it, they are actively working to make the situation worse. What do you think can be done? If you haven't uh, been paying attention to what's going on with Marjorie Taylor Greene, it is fascinating, and it goes way beyond just her. The 14th Amendment has a provision, I believe it's Article 3, that says that the actual language is any person who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same is basically disqualified from holding public office. And, you know, the allegation against Marjorie Taylor Greene is that that's exactly what she did. And she's having to testify under oath. And Judge uh, Amy Totenberg uh, put together this 73-page ruling that just took apart Greene's argument. And uh, Greene says in her lawsuit that, Quote, I vigorously deny that I aided and engaged in an in insurrection to obstruct the peaceful transfer of presidential power. And the judge, Judge Totenberg, said, and I quote, Lordy, there are tapes. Here's why this is important. It's really not about her. It's really about whether the 14th Amendment still can bite, whether it still has legal force. And here's the thing. If the judge rules against Green, and then that gets upheld on appeal, which will, you know, there's a, two more levels of question here of, you know, federal appeal court and then the U.S. Supreme Court. But if it gets upheld on appeal, 
that means that quite a few Republican members of Congress may no longer be able to run for Congress. And not just members of Congress, including Donald Trump. I mean, this could apply to him as easily as to anybody else. So this is not a small issue. Keep an eye on this one. I think you're going to find it fascinating. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef to you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back. Hey, two quick stories that I wanted to share with you. It'll just take a second and then I'll pick up your phone calls. So if you're on hold, just hang on. I'll get to you. The first is that the majority of Americans, they just did a survey. The Associated Press NORC Center for Public Affairs Research just did a survey of Americans saying, do you, if you're going to fly, would you prefer that everybody on the plane was wearing a mask? 56% of Americans said, yes, we would prefer a requirement that everybody be masked, compared to only 24% opposed. Not quite how the news has been spinning it, which is kind of weird. Uh, among Democrats, it was 80% in favor, 5% opposed. Among Republicans, it was 33% in favor, 45% opposed. So, you know, getting rid of masks on airplanes, pretty much a Republican thing. I called one of the airlines. I'm, I'm a million miler kind of person with two airlines, United and Delta, and I tried to call one of them this morning to say, you know, if you're collecting votes, I just wanted to tell you that I'm not going to get on an airplane until either this pandemic is over or you go back to mask policies or at least mask half the plane, like with the old smoking sections. But, you know, I got them put on hold. So anyhow, the other the other story that I wanted to share with you, this is really like good news, science news, good geeky science news. On April 3rd, this was what, about two weeks ago, April 3rd at 3.39 p.m., 97% of all the energy used in California 
came from, or all the electric, electric energy used in California came from renewable sources. 97%. Now, it only lasted for a few minutes, but uh, right now, California gets 60% of its electricity from low-carbon, non-fossil fuel sources. But for that few moments, they were almost at 100%. They are ahead of their green energy goals. Gavin Newsom doing a great job, and the legislature. This is not the world that Vladimir Putin wants us to have. He wants us all to remain addicted to fossil fuels, while also the fossil fuel industry in the United States. A third of the state's electricity is generated by wind and solar, about 17% by large hydro, 10% comes from nukes. Uh, battery backup, at the beginning of this year, they had 2.1 gigawatts, that's a billion watts. Uh, that's an eight-fold increase over 2019. And uh, they got all these projects in the work. There's 25 climate bills in the state legislature right now, helping fossil fuel workers transition other jobs, helping bury electrical wires, which cause wildfires, new high-density transmission lines, develop geothermal, battery, and hydrogen power um, to you know, work uh, as baseline energy when the sun is not shining or the wind is not blowing. Uh, other bills to cut permitting and paperwork burden and uh, provide ways for low-income families to get solar on their homes. So a lot of really cool stuff happening. Tony in St. Louis. Hey, Tony, what's up? Hey, Tom. Uh, good, good, great show. Thank you. We really need to get money out of politics. Yeah. And the Democrats, if they're really serious they, about making things better, they need to start doing it while they got control of the House. Well, to a large I extent, just, I mean, you know, if you're a member of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, you've, you've got to change the way that you do fundraising. So, you know, about 100 members of Congress are, by and large, walking the walk. Um, it's not 100% perfect, well, but they're taking steps, it just shouldn't steps cost in the right millions direction. millions of dollars to run for a job that only pays $100,000 or $200,000. I just, yeah, it's just, I'm with it's you. obscene. I'm with but, you. But, you know, the main reason I, I called, though, I was talking about that RFID. If I remember right, I think it was Colt or something that was trying to put it on guns. And, you yeah. know, the well, NRA was, was Colt, raising yeah. a big. Well, I thought that's what I thought it was. I was yeah, there's, the there's two companies that make them. The, the one company is, if I'm remembering this correctly, one company is based in Germany and the other is in Switzerland. Uh, maybe Austria, well, to me, but there's two guns out there that, that require you to either wear a watch or a ring with an RFID chip in it, or the, when you pick up the gun, it won't fire. Well, and that's it. They're, they're worried that, oh, it might not, might not fire if you have it in your hand. Well, you know what? This goes to show, though, how far they want to go to tell you what you should, shouldn't, shouldn't do. If <laughs> I choose it's safer in my house to have a gun like that, it, and if I want to take the risk of it not going off, or at least if someone grabs it from me, they can't shoot me with my own gun. But to me, I just think it's ridiculous. Once again, they want to tell you what you should and shouldn't have. They're the right. party of getting government out of your lives. Well, and every every it. gun manu every gun seller, every gun retailer that has tried to import these guns from Europe into the United States and sell them has been met with death threats to the point that they gave up. Well, it's and, bizarre. And I think that's all. There's where we need to make some changes somewhere. I just don't get how they could have that authority. Yeah. What, what are they? I guess they're afraid that the government's going to say every gun has to have it, just like every car has to have seatbelts and right. you know all, all the. Yeah, no, they see it as part of a slippery first. slope. But but how would it hurt us if every gun did have that? Thanks for the call, Mark in San Clemente. Hey, Tim, Mark, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom.
Tom. How you doing? Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to comment on these uh, kids and the babies. You know, they're denying women's uh, rights to their own body. But, you know, the Republican Party wants a large pool of, of uh, applicants for the military. You know, I taught in a, in a school that was all low-income, poverty community, and I'd say 90% of those kids got out of high school and went into the military. And then the problems they had in Afghanistan when they showed up over there, and they were having graffiti, gang graffiti, and stuff like that. You know, that that is a problem, and that's where they're going to get killed in the field of battle. Right. You know, and not only if it, unless they get shot in school, uh, or <laughs> I mean, there's so I'm, many. I'm guessing, know, Mark, things. that more kids have been killed and more young people have been killed in school shootings in the last. 15, 20 years than have been killed in all of our overseas wars. I don't, I don't have the exact numbers at my fingertips, but I do recall, um, you know, in the context of, you know, the Russian casualties in Ukraine, somebody saying that the total casualty number of American soldiers who have died in Afghanistan and Iraq over a 20-year period was, as I recall, in the neighborhood of around 8,000. And I would be astonished if few, if more, if fewer than eight thousand children have been killed in our schools uh, over the same period, that same twenty-year period. I, again, I don't have the numbers at my fingertips. So I might be wrong on this. Don't don't quote me. Uh, look it up. But uh, you know, uh, yeah. I, but I, you know, whether Republicans are championing anti-abortion laws because they want more, you know, cannon fodder or not, I'm I'm skeptical of that, Mark. I I understand your argument. But well, I, I think all, a lot I, all of it, I know is that Brett Kavanaugh didn't go, and neither did Donald Trump, even though he went to military school where he learned to be a, a bigger bully than he already was. Yeah. You know? And then, and then, you know, in my era, you know, by the time I got old enough to go to Vietnam, there was a lottery in, and I had a really high number, so I didn't yeah. get called. Yeah. Other than that, the people that got busted for pot use and stuff were being forced into the military as an option of going to jail. Oh, yeah. So. You know, cannon fodder is a big part of it. They got to have people out there. You know. Yeah, I'm and, with you. And by uh, the way, military trains them and educates them. But no, that's I get all that. I think I think it's more. Community. You know, the, the whole Catholic thing is. You know, we we need to outnumber our opposition. You know, and and well, yeah, and I think, the Catholics and I think tried, yeah, they, and I think among that. well, I mean, I'm talking about over the last two thousand years, and 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 I think that yeah. among white people, these you know white supremacists who are who are constantly talking about, you know, uh, abortion laws and quack, quack, quack. Really, what they're saying is they're freaked out that the number of white people is diminishing. And if you read their message boards, they just come right out and say that. By the way, Donald Trump did not go to a military academy. He went to a military-themed private prep school. It was not associated with the U.S. military at all. They did wear uniforms. They did do drills and things like that. Um, but it was really all performance, which makes sense. It was the Trump family, after all. He didn't actually go to a military academy. Tom Harmon here with you. So what have Democrats done for us recently? Well, last year, now I want to put this in context. The United States has been around since arguably 1776, definitely since 1789, when the modern constitution was ratified and signed, uh, 240 years more or less. And during that entire period of time, multiple wars, depressions, recessions, all kinds of events have happened 
We have never created 6.4 million jobs in one year. We have never done that until now. Joe Biden did that last year. The unemployment rate went from 6.2% under Donald Trump to 3.9%. That's a, another new record. It's the, and by the way, it's the sharpest, again, all the way back to the George Washington administration, this is the sharpest, well, we haven't been keeping statistics all that long, but um, it, this is the sharpest drop in unemployment in the history of America, or at least in the recorded history of America. Now, before the, uh, the rescue plan, which Joe Biden pushed through at the beginning of last year, we were on track to have unemployment if everything went right and everything was great and if Delta had never surged and you know if, if all this stuff, we were on track to have a 4% unemployment rate right up until 2026. That's what the Fed was predicting. And here we are, all, and, and, excuse me, not all the way through 2026, by 2026. In other words, it was gonna take us four more years to get to a 4% unemployment rate. We've already beat it. It's a big deal. The Democrats held strong on that COVID relief bill. They made it happen. And as a consequence of that, the poorest of 20% of Americans are estimated to see a 20% boost in their income from Biden's relief plan, particularly due to the stimulus payments. Uh, and the richest 1%, less than 1% of the benefits. Biden strengthened unions. He restored collective bargaining power and worker protections by revoking Trump's executive orders. Most people don't even know. Trump had executive orders to make it harder for people to join unions. Biden reversed those. He eliminated this so-called Schedule F worker. This was a class of workers that Donald Trump brought into being with an executive order that basically said that federal service, civil service employees could not join unions. They were Schedule F employees. Biden did away with it. He, uh, Trump, there, there's this extraordinarily powerful, it's called the, the, the uh, Federal Reserve Impasses Panel. This is the panel that makes the, essentially the final decisions on whether, whether uh, labor, how labor disputes get resolved. All 10 of its members were put there by Donald Trump and they were all anti-union people. Joe Biden fired all eight of them, all 10 of them, excuse me, eight of them resigned before they could be fired. I mean, he announced he was going to do it. Two of them he had to fire because they refused to leave. And now we've got, you know, a pro-labor uh, institution within the federal government. Biden and the Democrats saved the pensions of over a million unionized workers. There were 185 union pension plans that were on the verge of crashing because of changes to the law over the years and because the unions themselves had been shrinking as the result of 40 years of Reaganomics. And so now over a million retired truck drivers, retail clerks, builders, and others uh, will have a retirement pension that they would not have had had, not, had Joe Biden not done this. He ordered all federal contractors to pay their workers a $15 minimum wage. Remember this one, Bernie? This was uh, you know, back in 2016 when Bernie was in the primary against Hillary. And, and he went into uh, one of the federal gift shops. He came on this program and talked about it. He went into a federal gift shop, you know, the gift stores that they have like at the Smithsonian, and wanted to buy a little knickknack to give to, you know, one of his relatives. 
and he asked the person who was working there, how much do you make? And the person was like, oh yeah, I make $8 an hour, or maybe it was nine. It was, it was very little. And Bernie was like, you're a federal employee. How can you make so little? And they're like, no, I'm not a federal employee. The federal government contracts with the company that hires me. And the company that hires me charges the federal government $15 an hour for my work, but they only pay me $9 an hour, whatever the amounts were. You can go back and listen to that clip with Bernie from, from the day. And so Bernie came on the floor of the Senate and he said, I just had this experience that he had just described on our show. He said, I just had this experience and we've got to create a minimum wage of $15 for not only federal employees, but federal contractors. Well, Joe Biden did it. Right across the board, he, he ordered the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the Department of Veterans Affairs, the Department of Agriculture, the Department of Housing and Urban Development, the Federal Housing Finance Agency. In every case, he said, you guys have to stop the current, you have to stop evictions and foreclosures, and anybody who is working for you and any of the other federal agencies, even if they're contractors, you have to pay them $15 an hour. He protected people from foreclosure and eviction. He reduced the number of hungry Americans, food stamp recipients, saw their payments go up, benefits jumped 27% as a result of things that the Biden administration did and Democrats. More than one in 10 households before this were reporting that they didn't have enough food at the end of the month. The campaign has increased food stamps by more than a billion dollars a month, providing needy children a dollar a day for snacks, expanding a produce allowance for pregnant women and children, authorized the largest children's summer feeding program in history, Hey, who really cares about the children? It's the Democrats. Biden's keeping people's homes warm in the, in the winter. He expanded the low-income uh, home energy assistance program. The real GDP has increased 7.8% over the last 12 months. That's the biggest boom that we've had in decades, in generations. The Federal Reserve is expecting real growth to be 5.9% this year. Good stuff is going on. It's just, you know, nobody seems to know about it. So I thought I'd tell you. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
David in uh, San Francisco. Hey, David, what's up? How are you, Tom? I heard as I was studying the old Mnuchin Mr. Bonesaw money, I noticed that Steve Mnuchin also got a billion. Yeah, and nobody knows how much Donald Trump got. And nobody's even asking, which I find very, very weird. If the son-in-law got $2 billion, did Donald Trump get three? I mean, how much money was channeled from Saudi Arabia into one of Donald Trump's secret offshore accounts? Nobody knows. Right, right. And so one of the bigger pictures you might look at for future shows is how do we, we the people, have to deal with their assets? If you remember in the history of uh, Donald Trump, he, he and his dad got a lot of land in New York City by creating white flight. They created blighted zones, and then with the determination by the city that it's a blighted area, Donald Trump and his dad were able to get the land for about a dollar an acre. And the idea that fear-mongering and bigotry created the white flight, which created the blighted areas, how can we, the people, blight his land? I think he's doing it all by himself, engineer. <laughs> I mean, who wants to live in a building that has a Trump name on it? Increasingly, they're coming down. Well, yeah, the point is, though, it, we have to find some way, unless, I don't know if you're familiar with this, with George Washington at Valley Forge, but basically the reason why he was starving there was because the British had counterfeited the continental dollar. And so after Washington won at Valley Forge, they just they didn't even have bullets. They just went over there and clubbed them with their their muskets oh. and won the battle simply without bullets, really. But the colonists, the revolutionaries figured out that if we created our own money, a new American tenor, a new money, then we could bankrupt the British because they weren't using our money. And so this idea of, of Trump and his oligarchs, they've got, we still believe the type of money they're using. So we have to change out the money, come up with a new tenor. Oh, that's an interesting theory, David. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'll leave it at that. I, uh, but, but I think that we need to use the, the international banking system to figure out how much money Saudi Arabia gave to Donald Trump. Uh, you know, this is just like, this is weird. So why is this not a huge stinking deal that Jared Kushner got a $2 billion payoff from the Saudis, Steve Mnuchin got a $1 billion payoff from the Saudis, and nobody knows how much money the Saudis gave to Donald Trump, but he's acting like he's fat and happy down there in Mar-a-Lago. What's going on with this? Who's looking into this? Or for that matter, why is nobody looking into this? It seems. I mean, let me, let me just put this in context. I remember 1980. In 1980, Jimmy Carter was still president of the United States. This was in July of 1980. He was still president. It was his last year as, well, you could say, you know, January, up until January 20th of 81, he was still president. And he had a younger brother, Billy, who had done a bunch of things to try to monetize the fact that his brother was president. He was selling beer. Remember Billy Beer? But the thing that got him into real serious trouble was he hopped out a plane and flew over to Libya and met with Muammar Gaddafi, 
who wrote him a check for $200,000 in exchange for Billy coming back to the United States and saying nice things about Libya. His own brother, the President of the United States, ordered an investigation into his brother, into Billy. President Carter released a public statement saying, quote, I do not believe it is appropriate for a close relative of the president to undertake any assignment on behalf of a foreign government, end quote. Republicans called it Billygate. President Carter came out and said, I waive all claims of executive privilege with regard to my brother. The White House will fully cooperate in any investigation, whether it's the DOJ or whether it's Republicans in Congress. He actually issued an executive order saying that nobody who is a relative of me, Jimmy Carter, none of my relatives may lobby or interact with U.S. government officials. He published a 92-page report, President Carter did, about everything he knew and everything the government was able to find out about President Carter's brother, Billy, making 200 grand from the Libyans. Everybody in America was like, whoa. I mean, this, keep in mind, he was on his way out. He would no longer be president in seven months. This was July of 1980. He was leaving the White House in January of, of 81. He could have just let this ride. He could have just said, eh, it's no big deal. Hey, it's my brother. Let him keep the money. He could have, like Donald Trump, said, well, you know, we'll ride out the clock. But no, he did the right thing because he was Jimmy Carter. He was a Democrat. He was a good man. And now we're learning... This is on April 10th, just, just, you know, 11 days ago. The New York Times revealed that six months ago, Jared Kushner got a $2 billion payoff from the Saudi government, which is refusing to cooperate now with the Biden administration to lower gas prices. And Steve Mnuchin, the former Treasury Secretary, the guy that, that you know, in California, they call him the foreclosure king because he, he, uh, he, he was using robo-signers illegally and threw over 10,000 Californians out of their homes during the, the great housing crash in 2008. That's how Mnuchin got rich, in part. He used to be with Goldman Sachs, too. He got a billion dollars. So now we're discovering that Jared was the guy, the man in the middle, who brokered a $110 million, excuse me, $110 billion sale of weapons to Saudi Arabia over the objections of Congress so that the Saudis could use this money to destroy Yemen. That it was Jared Kushner who organized a PR campaign. Mohammed bin Salman, you know, the, the, the dictator of Saudi Arabia, bragged about this. Yeah, I mean, that was a minor scandal when it came out two years ago. Oh, yeah, we've got Jared Kushner in our back pocket. He'll do what we want. It wasn't the exact quote, but it was words to that effect. You can look it up. And Kushner ran interference for him on the murder of Khashoggi, which happened while Donald Trump was president. And it just kind of vanished, went away. 
and now he gets a $2 billion payoff. This is an attack on democracy. This is not just a scandal. This is an attack on democracy. It's an attempt to subvert and corrupt the American form of government. It's amazing. All righty, let's pick up your phone calls. There's a lot, so much that we've talked about here. Richard in Baltimore, Maryland. Hey, Richard, what's on your mind today? How you doing, son? You got a really good show going on over there, man. You got Thank a lot you. of stuff coming out. Thanks for listening to Sirius XM. Um, I appreciate it. Man, I'm a, I'm a black man, and I, I know that I can't believe how much treasonous behavior I've been seeing ever since the Trump administration came and went, man. They're still doing it. I am real afraid of the Republicans gaining power in the Congress and Senate with all of these laws, voter suppression laws. I'm afraid for my race of people. What's going to happen when the Congress and Senate gets controlled by the Republicans? So, Richard, are you matching um, that fear with action? Are you getting all your friends registered to vote? Are you making sure that people in Maryland are you know, ready to go? I don't have a lot of friends, but what I do is I go on Twitter mm -hmm. and I tweet. Okay, well, good on you. I mean, that, that's the thing. We've all got to become evangelists, whatever, whatever mechanism we have available to us. Richard, thanks for the call. You're listening to Tom Hartman. On the line with us is Dr. Marty Goldstein. He's an integrative veterinarian specializing in both traditional and alternative therapies for animals. He's the creator of Nature's Blend, which is a dog food product, which, by the way, this is not an infomercial. I'm, we're not going to be you know, pushing his product. I just have to, He's the author of the book, The Nature of Animal Healing, The Definitive Holistic Medicine Guide to Caring for Your Dog and Cat, and also a forthcoming book, The Spirit of Animal Healing. There's an amazing movie about him that Louise watched and then said to me, you got to watch this. It's called dogdocthefilm.com is, is where you'll find it. That's the link for it. His website is drmarty, D-R-M-A-R-T-Y.com, and his Twitter handle is official drmarty, official Dr. Marty. Dr. Marty Goldstein, welcome to the program. It's so great to have you here with us. I'm absolutely fascinated. I, I was just blown away watching your movie of literally people bringing their dogs in at death's door, and you're fixing them with, with nutrition, with supplements, things like that. How did you get into this? That's right, Tom. First of all, it's a pleasure being here. I love animals. I graduated Cornell Vet School in 1973. About one out of 10 dogs got cancer. It was always a disease of the old. Now statistics show one out of every 1.61 dogs in the United States will get cancer, and it's becoming a prominent disease in the young, along with other degenerative diseases. So something is, is wrong. There is no health care taught to veterinarians, unfortunately. And or I reversed my own genetically-based <laughs> problems way back in the 70s by changing my diet and going on supplements. Mm -hmm. applied it to animals, and lo and behold, it worked. So that's how I got here. It's an absolutely amazing story. Nutrition and supplements. Talk about why is cancer so widespread in dogs? And, and also, I mean, just, you know, more generally, I had a cat, Higgins, that I just loved. He was one, probably my all-time favorite pet. He was a rescue cat. He was super, like, super vicious at first. We, we had to lock him in a bedroom for like a, several months because he would just viciously attack anybody. And within a year or so, we had turned him into just the friendliest, sweetest cat ever. 
we were feeding him cat food. This is when we were living in Washington, D.C. He died of kidney failure. The brand of cat food we were feeding him had this uh, Chinese contaminant. I think it's called melamine. Melamine, yes. And it, it poisoned him. I mean, my cat was poisoned by his cat food. And I'm still processing that. Obviously, that is not a crisis right now that it became, you know, there was a lot of publicity about that and it got fixed. What is the state of nutrition for animals in general in the United States? And is it different from other parts of the world? Yeah, unfortunately, so much of the commercialized diets are scientifically based, but not biologically appropriate. When I got out of Cornell, we were feeding our dogs and cats the semi-moist food and it was literally devoid of food. It had chemicals, coloring agents, flavor enhancers. It really didn't have any food, but it was scientifically based. And then, you know, a major aspect of the pet food industry is directly tied to the cereal industry. You know, so many of the store-bought commercialized foods are 50 to 64% processed cereal byproducts. Show me one tooth in a dog or a cat's mouth that's flat for grinding cereal. So it's not biologically appropriate. And you know the old saying, Tom, it all starts with food. I reverse my own disease processes genetically based by starting to eat biologically whole foods. Same thing for animals. Your cat is an obligate carnivore and the melamine that was put in there that came over from China was to artificially raise protein levels. Right. You know, but how about meat? <laughs> Wouldn't that raise the protein level? Well, that's what cats are designed to eat. I mean, it's just, Absolutely. it's like, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So for people who, whose pets are facing problems, I mean, I, I know somebody who's got a pet, a, a dog that is diabetic. I've known two people in the last couple of years who've had dogs die of cancer. You know, outside of high quality dog food, which I, I realize is your business, what should we be doing with our pets to prevent these kinds of disasters and or to respond to them? Well, we have to look, you know, my key words is always biologically appropriate. One thing you could do is I helped start an organization way back in the late 70s called the American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association, hmm. ahvma.org. And there are so many integratively functioning veterinarians right now, that site has a listing of the integrated veterinarians around North America, you know, state by state, city by city, and what they practice. So hooking up with a veterinarian that practices integrated veterinarian is the best you could do. So the there's, 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 there's no veterinarian educated on what a dog or a cat should really be eating. So there's no veterinarian equivalent to a naturopath. You know, uh, here in Portland, naturopaths can basically practice pretty much any kind of medicine an MD can, or much of it anyway. You know, 
including minor surgeries and things, but is there any way to know that your vet is essentially a naturopathic vet or or yes, through this site. Through that because site, that's the way to do if it. If you go online, it'll actually tell you where that veterinarian is located and the modalities of alternative therapy that they have integrated into their conventional medical practice. Right. So Getting the best of both worlds, Tom. Yeah, it's, it's, it sounds like it. Obviously, you know, feeding our dogs biologically appropriate food, as, as, as you describe, is a, a great start. Are there supplements that we should be thinking about giving to our pets? Yeah, I mean, even a healthy animal, born healthy that's young, I feel should be on supplements. You know, now it, they're called nutraceuticals. My definition of a supplement is a concentrated food to make up for the deficiencies we've handed down over the generations and the decades by inappropriate food chains. The destruction of so many foods by the heating process and then putting in synthetic supplements. So yes, supplements are concentrated foods that make the diet, even if it's very good food, whole again. Right. Yeah, I, I, I feel that way about, you know, people, too. Um, yeah, it talk- I mean, it is the same. You know, my only advantage and why I know this is right is I've literally worked on tens and tens of thousands of companion animals and reversed tens of thousands of them that had chronic degenerative non-responsive illnesses by getting them on, like you said at the beginning of the show, getting them on proper biologically appropriate food and supplementation. So it works. Yeah. You you also talk about the spiritual nature of animals. Uh, as my last question here, we're going to hit a break in a second. L- let me just toss that one to you. Oh, yeah. It's amazing what they know that we don't know that they know. They are spiritual beings sometimes at a higher level. They know when an earthquake is going to come. They know if they're their guardian, their caretaker is gonna have a seizure up to 24 hours before the seizure. They are spiritual beings and we need to work on that human animal bond. So, you know, we could learn from them, they could learn from us and the world would be a better place because they represent the level of unconditional love for the human race. That's brilliant. Dr. Marty Goldstein, uh, the website, drmarty.com, drmarty.com, or uh, official drmarty on Twitter, and dogdocthefilm.com if you want to see this amazing and Also, drmartypets.com. I have so much of my information Great. on that. drmartypets.com. Dr. Marty it. Goldstein, thanks a lot. It's a pleasure, Tom. Great talking with you. We'll be right back. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Our book today in the Tom Hartman Book Club is The Web of Meaning by Jeremy Lent. The subtitle, Integrating Science and Traditional Wisdom to Find Our Place in the Universe. This is from Chapter 6, which is titled The Deep Purpose of Life. Aristotle was just a teenager when he arrived in Athens from Macedonia to begin his studies at Plato's famed academy. For 20 years, he absorbed everything his teacher had to impart, but much of it didn't make sense to him. Plato taught that the soul was separate from the body, but Aristotle didn't see how something could exist without a material basis. Plato taught that the tangible world was just a pale imitation of an ideal version in an eternal dimension. To Aristotle, living beings seemed to act according to their own true nature, rather than mimic some external ideal. 
After Plato's death, Aristotle set up a competing school in Athens, the Lyceum, where he taught his own philosophy based on his view that every living being has an intrinsic purpose, the expression of its defining essence, which he viewed as its soul. If the eye were an animal, Aristotle explained, sight would be its soul, since this is the defining essence of an eye. Everything an organism did, he believed, was done for the sake of its innate purpose. Things in nature didn't just happen, they happened for a reason. Plants send their roots into the ground for the sake of nourishment. Birds build nests to look after their young. Spiders weave webs to catch food. The same was true, he believed, for the way seeds or embryos develop. You can only understand the changes taking place in an acorn or an egg if you know its ultimate purpose. If Aristotle could have explained his ideas to other indigenous cultures around the world, it's likely they would have been receptive. Virtually all cultures at that time shared an understanding that a life force existed in every living entity, a spirit that impelled them to do what they did. Before hunting an animal or harvesting fruit from a grove, many indigenous peoples would ritually honor the spirit of the entity from which they took their sustenance. In ancient China, sages developed these indigenous insights into the categorization of the kinds of key or energy and matter that existed in an organism. One kind was Shen, the vital spirit that animated a living organism. Another was Jing, the generative principle that was believed to emerge in an embryo at the moment of conception, driving its growth and the eventual reproductive energy. We'll never know exactly how early Chinese scholars would have interpreted Aristotle's theories in terms of Shen and Jing, but it's likely that his ideas would have made sense to them. This was not the case, however, for European thinkers in the wake of the scientific revolution. As we've seen, prominent thinkers such as Descartes and Hobbes laid the foundation for the mechanistic worldview that has since become ubiquitous in mainstream thought. If an animal were merely a machine, then by definition it couldn't have its own intrinsic purpose any more than it could have its own feelings. In the 17th century, those scientific pioneers still lived under a Christian worldview. So it was easy enough to attribute the seemingly purposeful activity of nature to a creator who instilled purpose in a creator in a creature just like a clockmaker instills the purpose of timekeeping into a clock. By the 19th century, when scientists were less willing to resort to theology for ultimate explanations, the problem resurfaced. How could you explain the obviously purposive behavior of living organisms? Some scientists theorized that creatures contained a life force, an elan vital, that worked according to specific laws like gravity or electricity. However, by the early 20th century, this idea, known as vitalism, had fallen into such disrepute in mainstream science that it had become an object of ridicule. Along with vitalism, any theory that living entities possessed intrinsic purposes, such as teleology, was discarded by mainstream science into the same pit of disdain that contained other heretical ideas that we've already come across, such as Lamarckian evolution, animal emotions, or plant intelligence, each of which has now been scientifically validated. For reductionist scientists, the primary challenge in refuting teleology was that living organisms so obviously demonstrate it in everything they do. When a spider tries valiantly to climb out of the bathtub, when your dog paws at the door because she needs to relieve herself, it's only too clear that they're acting with purpose. 
However, with the widespread acceptance of the modern synthesis of the mid-20th century, biologists declared this challenge resolved. Everything could now be explained by natural selection operating on genes. According to eminent biologist Ernst Mayer, organisms only seem to behave according to teleology. But their behavior really owes its goal-directedness to the operation of a program that contains not only the blueprint of the goal, but also the instructions of how to use the information of the blueprint. However, as we've seen, that mechanistic metaphor for life is fundamentally flawed. Life didn't emerge according to blueprints and doesn't operate like a computer program. What does that mean for teleology? Could Aristotle have been right? Is life's purposive behavior not the result of a program? And if so, what really causes it? The book, The Web of Meaning by Jeremy Lent, subtitled Integrating Science and Traditional Wisdom to Find Our Place in the Universe. These may apply, you may receive a... Picking up your calls and Ray in Renton, Washington. Hey, Ray, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom. Just first, I want to say thanks so much for your show. It's a tremendous public service and a daily dose of sanity that uh, so many of us are really appreciate. So thank you. Thank you. You're always looking for a bumper sticker. And if anyone saw Lawrence O'Donnell's show, he was quoting Rob Reiner text, which said basically that a vote for Republicans is a vote to destroy democracy. And I think that right. encapsulates the theme of what we need to get behind for this next election cycle, because it's outrageous what's going on. I am absolutely with you, Ray. I did see that, actually. I don't, I usually I'm, a, I'm in, in bed and asleep by the time Lawrence's show came, comes on, but Louise and I stayed up a little late and watched it, and I completely agree. I, and he did a great segment with it, uh, so spot on. Thank you for that. Deb in Dudley, Massachusetts. Hey, Deb, you wanted to talk about Dr. Marty? Hi, yes, I um, wanted to share with your listeners my experience with supplements, it's called transfer factor. And just so that people expand their thinking about taking care of their animals, transfer factor is classified as a food and it's made of colostrum. And it's an immune booster. It's the component that transfers the immune information from the mother to the baby. Mm -hmm. I had rescued a shepherd mix who, I don't know, uh, she's in her senior years and she started bleeding clots and my brought her to the vet and she did blood work and she said her platelets are extremely low. She probably has small cell carcinoma in her bladder. So we did a run of doxycycline because sometimes it's a tick-borne problem and 30 days later she said there was no change and it was actually lower. And I said, Can we just try transfer factor for 30 days? Because I had been using rescue animals because I do rescue work part-time. Right. So 30 days later, we did blood work, and her platelets were normal. Wow. We had a ultrasound, and there was no sign of cancer. That's incredible. Deb, thanks for the call and the testimonial. Yeah, you know, I take supplements, too. I, I think there's something to it. I know that there was a big research study that was hugely publicized yesterday saying they don't work. I'm not buying it. Thanks so much for being with us today. We'll be back same time, same place. Get out there, get active. In the meantime, tag your it. Have a great afternoon. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.